And good morning to you. I'm Dave Mitchell. Good morning. Thank you for responding. And uh, excited to be with you. And the theme is Better Together, Better Together. Just going to give a little shout out to Ron Rogalski. You know Ron. We love Ron up here. Uh, Ron and I... Uh, Ron and I yesterday rode 101 miles to San Diego on our bicycles, not on our motorcycles. And uh, riding with Ron makes me better. We're better together. Because Ron is the man. He is the man on the bike. And I get behind that little strip scene stream that, uh, that Ron creates when you're on the wheel of the guy in front of you. And, man, it makes you better together. We need to do that. When we got to San Diego, you go on the pier, and the Nimitz is right there, Yosef Nimitz. And we were so hot and sweaty. It got hotter the closer we got to the ocean. And so it was just crazy. It's crazy weather. And so we were so hot, we jumped off the pier into the ocean of the, the bay or where the ships are and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just to cool off. And as we climbed the ladder to get out, there was this nice big sign that says something about uh, federal offense for going in the water right here. So so Ron did it first, and I followed him. And so he was a stumbling block to me. I'm deeply offended by his poor modeling and mentoring in my life. So in some ways, it's it's better together. Sometimes it's not better together. And so we just want to be honest with you. But well, we're excited to be here today. If I fall asleep in the middle of my message, one of you needs to come up here and finish it for me. So uh, just a little weary, but excited to be with you. One of the great things, what, you know, what's the great thing about t- beyond just that we come and gather and we're better worshipers together beyond this being Sunday. And this is their worship hour. What makes this day so special? The NFL. Come on. Where are you? What's with you? We're better together. So to that end, I just want to honor an NFL guy. He's he's a uh, he's not with the team right now, but uh, uh, Evan and Olivia Rodriguez. Joyce sent me a little story about them just this last week. She found out that she's pregnant and she has this little baby growing inside of her that has this disease that has no brain, no skull. Parts of the brain, the head are missing. Survival is nil. But I'm so blessed by this couple and the story of their lives. They said, we're going to keep this baby as long as we can, because this is what God has done in our lives. And here is this new dad who has a baby inside his wife's womb. This dad says our values say that we hang on to life and it's our faith in God that's going to get us through this. I have a love for that little child that's just not going to stop. And until God takes that baby home, she is my child. And I love that image, this big, strong dude, and the tenderness of a heart to love a child, even as it is imperfect, unformed, and has no hope of a life that you and I now enjoy. But that's the father's love for a child. And so you're blessed when you hear stories of individuals who live out the fatherhood of loving the child and the imperfections of that child. And that's what we want to talk about this morning is the father's love for us who are those imperfect child children and how God has called us to that. We're in a book called Ephesians We're really just beginning the book in some ways, although we introduced it last week. You have an outline that's in the bulletin that it is available for you that 
probably will be of benefit as we go through this little section together. But I love this account. As Paul writes to the city of Ephesus in the country that in those days you will see in Acts and others as as Asia or Asia Minor. Uh, Today we call it Turkey. And there on the little port city is the city of Ephesus we introduced you to last Sunday. And as Paul writes to them, he begins with these words. We're going to read just chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. This is where we're going to look today. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And so I want to break that down. There's There are verses in this section today that there will be some of us in this room that instinctively say that can't be true because it doesn't seem like it should be true, and I don't think it was true for me. But whether you subjectively feel as though it's true doesn't negate the fact that something is true. My belief in something doesn't change the truthfulness of that something. And so what Paul is beginning us in our journey together is this. Why can we say good things about our Father? Because He has given us every spiritual blessing. That is what He calls us to. Notice this first verse. In verse 3. I highlight three words that Paul repeats three times. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So when you study scripture and you see a word that's repeated three times in one verse, that is a big flag that says, think about that for a minute. Why would he be so redundant and repeat this word? Blessed be God, blessed be us, blessings in the heavenly places. What is that word? Let me take you into the word that is there. We've talked about it sometimes. The word blessed, there are two Hebrew, uh, Greek words for blessed. One is makarios, used on the Beatitudes. That's different than this word for blessed. This word for blessed is this Greek word, made up of two words, U-E-U, which means good or well, and legeo or logos. Sometimes you see logos, it's names of some bookstores. Legeo is the verb to speak. Logos is the noun for word. And so what Paul is saying is, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. So he is saying, I want you to speak well about the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Speak well about the Father. And then he says, who has blessed us, this Father blesses us, this Father that we speak well of, this Father says good things about us as well. So that's the beauty of this. We say good things about God. God's saying good things about us. And that's the beauty of the fatherhood of God in our lives. And although we may not always feel like we're doing well, he wants us to have that. This word, this Greek word, is the English word eulogy. Usually we use the word eulogy about somebody who's dead. And we find a lot of good things to say about every dead person that's ever lived. But this is a eulogy for a person who is living. This is our eulogy to God. And so we want to give a eulogy to say good things about the Father who is in heaven. And every time we talk about something like this, 
it comes up somewhere in the back of some of our consciences that my earthly father was not someone that makes me want to say good things about my heavenly father. And I recognize that. And I've seen that from the beginning of my ministry. That there are some of us who had terrible earthly fathers that we're called to respect in some measure. But they didn't serve us well. And that sometimes creates a boulder or a, an obstacle or a speed bump to me being able to say good things about the Heavenly Father. So we want to talk about that for just a moment. Now, what are those things that He has given to us? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every time I'm tempted to say, God, please bless me in this, God stops me and says, Dave, I've given to you every spiritual blessing that there is. You don't need to keep asking me for them. You just need to understand what they are and receive them. So remember what he said in verse 3. He says, He has blessed be the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has given to us every spiritual blessing. They are ours. We don't need to ask for them. They are there. They're like the presents under the Christmas tree. And all we need to go is find them, unwrap them, and receive them. They are ours already. Our names are on them. So he says, say good things about God because he said good things about us because he's given to us every spiritual blessing. And what are those spiritual blessings that he's given to us? There are many. We're going to talk about some this morning. The first is this. The spiritual blessing that the Father has chosen us. He chose us. Notice in verse 4. This is where it begins to get a little edgy for some of us uh, because of this high view of God's sovereignty. Just as He chose us in Him, that would be Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we will be holy and blameless before Him. Just break that down for a moment. The Father has chosen us. He chose us. Well, when did He choose us? The Scripture says, before the creation of the world. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Before Genesis 1, before God miraculously created the world in which we live, before that era, before the foundations were laid, God says, there's Dave Mitchell. I choose him. Now, obviously, I was not in existence, nor were you. But in the mystery of the sovereignty of the power of a God who knows and does all things well, he chose us. He chose us. When? Before the earth was created. Now some of us just say, that that just seems like impossible. It is impossible. But I'm not going to make God become small so I can say, now it makes sense. I'm going to allow God to remain the big, mighty, powerful God that is beyond all things, that thinks thoughts I don't think, that does things I don't do, that I don't get. I'm going to allow Him to say to me, Dave, I chose you. I wanted you. You are mine. And he chose me. So why did he choose me? Why did he choose you if you're a follower of Jesus? Why? So he can make us holy and blameless before him. He has a design for us. He says, Dave, I want you to become part of my family. And I have chosen you to place you in my family so I can do a miracle in your life. That is to make you as a holy and blameless child. That's my goal. That's my desire. 
Notice what Colossians says, puts it this way. Another one of these so-called prison epistles that Paul wrote, Colossae, in the same era, area and era. He says, although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet or but, he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body. That's Jesus. Jesus in his human body died through death in order, why? To present you how before Jesus, holy and blameless and beyond approach. Now, when God chose me, he didn't choose me because I was a good boy, because I got good grades. Not that I did. Because I was a good athlete. Not that I am. Because I could ride 101 miles to San Diego yesterday. Well, I did do that. He didn't choose me because I was the best looking. I was going to be the richest. I was going to be the most gifted. I was going to be the most powerful influence in the kingdom of God. God didn't choose me for any good thing that I am or have done. He chose me even though I was alienated, even though I was hostile in mind, even though I engaged in evil deeds. God still chose me and He chose you for the same reason. He didn't choose any of us in this room because we're the best, we're the brightest, we're the greatest. We're an American. He didn't choose us for any of those reasons. Because all of us, every single one of us in this room, before he chose us, God viewed us as alienated, hostile, and evil. That's how God viewed us before he chose us. So he didn't choose us because we're loving and kind and we're going to be a wonderful part of his family. He saw us in the worst possible light. And then he says, I still choose you. Why? So that you will be holy and blameless. Beyond reproach. It's a beautiful place to be. Now, Jesus said it this way. All that the Father gives me will come to me. So the Father chooses us. He brings us to Jesus. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Jesus never turns anybody away. Not because we're evil. Not because we're engaged in evil deeds. Not because we're hostile in mind. Not because we're alienated from God. No. He didn't turn anybody away. This is the will of him who sent me. That of all that he has given me, I lose nothing. I don't lose any of you. Everyone that God calls and chooses, he places with me and I take care of them. And I will take care of them and hold them for all of eternity. No child gets lost. No child left behind. And he says, all that he has given me, I will lose nothing. But I will raise it up on the last day so that we will all be raised together with God. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The Father must choose us. The Father must draw us. The Father through the Holy Spirit must convict us. And then we become a believer in Jesus. It's a miracle. It's a bigger miracle than giving birth to a child humanly. And that's a big miracle. It's an amazing miracle. That a child can grow in a mother's womb and then come out and breathe that breath and cry and grow up. It's a miracle. Well, this is a bigger miracle. That he has chosen us to be holy and blameless and to raise us up in the last day. Now, let me give you a little perspective on this. I haven't spoken about it and I won't speak a, a lot of detail about it. But I want to say this. For the last couple of years, we've had my niece living with us. It's my sister's daughter. And her living with us 
has been the best of times and the worst of times. And it's been a wonderful education for Joy and me. Because we learn things about how to live with people in ways that we've never have had an opportunity before. The reason that Alexis came to live with us is because she was pregnant and unmarried. So we thought here's an opportunity to help her and save a baby. And so she decided to come and live with us. And so she did. So we walked with her through nine months of pregnancy. And what an exhilarating experience to watch those hormones in work. And so it was challenging, very challenging. And then when the time came for her to give birth, as we had discussed it quite a bit in that journey of her pregnancy, she was going to give that baby up for adoption. And so we went through that in the hospital and watching another family walk home with that little precious girl was an enormous, enormous challenge for her. And she came home with us. And the baby went home with another family. And that continued that tremendous journey of the best of times and the worst of times. Just two weeks ago, Alexis and I were talking, and it was interesting what she was saying. She said it's been frustrating and difficult for her because it's in an open adoption. And so she has continued to see this little baby, now about a year and a half old. And she will see that little child, and throughout that first year, that little girl growing up, she would see her, and she would know, I gave birth to this girl. She has my DNA. She has come from me. And when she sees that little baby, the little baby looks at her and says, I don't know you. Who are you? Wait, shy, you know, uh, hesitation. Go back to the adoptive mom. And I'm resisting this birth mother. And she said, it's been hard because I have such a love for that child. I want to hold her. I want her to respond back to me in ways that I love her. And I see her and I want to hold her. And now she's a year. Now she's a year and a half. I see her walking and I see her walking. I want to hold her. I want to hold her. I want to hang on to her. I have this connection with her. And I can't understand why she doesn't love me back as much as I love her. And it's a growing phenomenon. I'm trying to understand that. And when she told me those things, I said, you know, and I'm always thinking sermons and illustrations. <laughs> I said, Alexis, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of my relationship with the Father in heaven. The Father in heaven would say, Dave, I gave birth to you. I love you. You are my child. And I just want to reach out and embrace you and hold you and bless you with every spiritual blessing. But Dave, sometimes you are standoffish. Sometimes you walk away. Sometimes you're resistant. Sometimes you don't respond in kind of love that I give to you. And I, You are mine. I want to love you. I want to embrace you. I want to hold you. But Dave, you act like you're a stranger to me. I said, Alexis, that's how it is for us spiritually. And I hope you can understand God's love for you, Alexis. That even if you resist Him as much as you will love that little baby, He loves you more. Let Him love you. And you love Him.
just as He loves you. And if that's the way it is for all of us. And you know people that have not become followers of Jesus. And God loves them. God loves them. Like an adoptive father who wants to embrace them and hold them and care for them. And yet we act like, no, I don't, I don't trust you. It's only because we haven't grown to appreciate who He is and what He's done for us. And so Paul says, I want you to say good things about the Father. Because the Father has blessed us so much. He has so much for us. And that He loves us so much more than we can ever understand. And He invites us into that. Because He chose us. He chose us when we were evil, engaged in evil deeds. He chose us so that we would be holy and blameless. He chose us so the Father says to Jesus, Never let him go. Don't let him go. I hope you can see that sometimes when you and I resist the Father's love, we resist the Father's will, we resist, we resist the Father's guidance and care for us. It's like shutting down someone who has an infinite love for us. And we need to grow in that. So he chose us so he would predestine us. The word predestination is probably not a word that we throw around a lot in our own common everyday language. But God says, here is my second blessing for you. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. He predestined us. So what does predestined mean? Let me take you again into the word that Paul used. The word that Paul used is made up of pro is proharizo. The word pro, which means beforehand. Harizo means to mark out. Harizo, we get the English word Horizon from it. And so he has marked out beforehand our lives. He's marked it out. This word parizzo is also used in architectural terms. For example, before we built the student center that is underway down in the nursery, used to be nursery basement. Tom Matlock, our architect, he proharizzoed that. Right? He predestined it. That's what he did. So he marked it out with an architectural rendering. Because isn't it better to know where the walls should go before you start tearing down and building walls? <laughs> Shouldn't you know where those things that need to be held up forever should be held up forever? Wouldn't it be nice to know where the plumbing should go before you start digging a hole? Well, that's what Paul, that's what uh, uh, Tom Matlock showed us. And so he proharizoed it. He, he predestined it. And then as it begins to take form, we get images of what it's going to look like. So over time, these images take on more color. And now you can walk down there and you can actually see the drywall and the tape and some of the aspects of where the rooms are. It is actually taking on flesh. Drywall, if you will. But it's real. And God says, that's what I've done for you. Before you were born... Before the earth was created, I chose you, and then I proharizoed you. I, I predestined you. I marked out who you are. I designed your DNA, your cells, your structure, your height, your weight. Uh, okay. He designed us to become his child. He marked out our spiritual journey. He proharizoed us. Why? So he could adopt us into his family. To adopt us into his family. That's what it says. He predestined us 
to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself. Because the Father says, I want to adopt Dave into my family. I have chosen him. I have worked out and marked out his life. I'm going to make him my child. I'm going to adopt him. So he did. Now, this means a whole lot more to the Ephesians than it does to many of us. In the Ephesians, or in the city of Ephesus, if you go there today, you will see ruins like this. This is the Agora. Uh, this is the marketplace. This is where people would gather. There was a fellow by the name of Serenus who wrote a book. And in that book, he described for the people of Ephesus what child they should keep and what child they should get rid of. And some parents would take that child that has just been born and they just leave it by the side of the road to die. Others would take them to the Agora and they would place these unwanted children in the Agora right here in this uh, marketplace that you see on the screen. Interestingly enough, the believers in the city of Ephesus would go into the Agora and they would see these unwanted children left to die. And it was the believers that would take those babies into their homes and they would adopt them. And so when Paul writes first off that God has predestined us to adoption, that meant a lot to the Ephesians because some of them had adopted unwanted children that were placed into their homes. And that's why Paul then writes in Ephesians 4, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there. Because children biologically were being tossed here and there. God says through Christ, I want to adopt you just as you have gone into the agora and the marketplace and you have picked up that unwanted, forgotten, forsaken child, God says, I want to go into the marketplace of your life. I want to pick you up. I want to place you into my family. I want you to be mine. I don't want you to be abandoned, alienated no more. And that's the beauty of what God said to them. So He predestined them. How did He do it? Through Jesus Christ. Jesus makes this miracle happen. It feels seamless to us. It feels like we were part of the decision, and we were, but it was all because of the master plan of God, the sovereign God, who chose us, predestined us, and He makes it work in us. And He makes it work in us that way says, I did it of my own free will. And that's the beauty of what God does. He doesn't drag us into His adopted family. We actually, when the time of conversion occurs, we voluntarily choose to do that because the Spirit of God has put into us a desire and a hunger to say, yeah, it's time. Father, place me in the family. I want that through Jesus Christ. Romans 8 puts this journey this way. For those whom He foreknew, way before the foundation of the world, He also predestined, prohoritzed us, to become conformed to the image of His Son, to be holy and blameless, so that He would be the firstborn among the brethren. And these whom He has predestined, He also called. Those whom He has called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. And remember when Jesus says, I won't lose any along the way, everyone that He's called will be glorified. No one's lost on the journey of spiritual growth. And so we grow together. As his adopted children. Let me give you kind of a living illustration. I'm going to invite Jason and Aaron to come on up here. I'd like for you to get to hear a little bit of their story. 
as they have gone into the adoption. Yeah, I want to grab one of those things. Jason and Aaron, um, great and faithful members here at Calvary Church. Jason, one of our elders as well. And Aaron had to think twice about getting the last name called Krachevich. He's totally worth it. He's totally worth it. Okay. (laughs) But we're glad to have you here. And and you've done something pretty spectacular as we see your family on the screen. That is, you've adopted a new little baby into your family. And uh, tell us, uh, you adopted Ben from another country, another culture. What motivated you to go to South Africa to adopt little Ben? Well, um, we actually had already adopted once 12 years ago, and that has been an amazing, beautiful, messy, wonderful experience (laughs) that we would not trade for the world. And about eight years ago, I got involved with Acres of Love, which um, is an orphan care organization in South Africa. And through being involved with them, I realized that there are a little over three million people living here in Orange County. And there are between three and five million kids in South Africa who are orphaned and don't have a family. So for me, that really hit home. And then on my visits to South Africa, I started falling in love with these kids who have this title of orphan. But I realized that they were beautiful human beings, just like you and me. And I think that every child deserves a family. And so God put that on my heart and also Jason's. Eventually. (laughs) He's a late adopter on that one. You know, I thought we had kind of ticked the box 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, And it turns out that our adoption of Ben was really um, a big working of God in my heart. And as Erin had expressed this thing that she wanted for our family, and, I mean, I didn't agree right away. I mean, and, and for years we talked about it. This wasn't a, a quick decision. It came down to what does it mean for me to be faithful to what I'm actually hearing God telling me? And what do I do when I don't really like what he's telling me? And actually jumping into, um, and I've heard Eric use this analogy, sort of we jump into the pool of what God's doing, and he kind of takes us to that spot that he wants us. And it it hit home when I realized, okay, just like you're talking about today, this is my story. I've been adopted. This is what happened to me. And at that point, I didn't have a choice anymore. Mm-hmm. So God's doing a work, and now to bring Ben into your home. Again, the way I, we talked about it, uh, different culture, different language, didn't even speak English, and uh, different family, different relationships. How has that been? It's been a fun and um, challenging journey at times. When we met him, he was four and a half, and he spoke zero English. He only spoke Zulu. And because South Africa has so many national languages, we didn't quite know what he would speak so we didn't you know, have the time to prepare and become fluent. So with our very little Zulu and his zero English, we did a lot of hand motions, sound effects, <laughs> body movements at first. But he is such a bright, quick learner that it was interesting the day after he came home with us, we had to go back to his children's village. And he told his caregivers in Zulu, I only speak English now. Oh, really? So he, wow. he was ready and willing to just jump into this entirely different culture. I mean... Elevators, shopping carts, seat belts, forks. I mean, 
you name it, it was different for him. And so he um, even, you know, how you do tuck-in, how you do mealtime, everything is, is so different. And it's been an incredibly um, eye-opening experience. Even just the week after we had adopted him, we had to take him to a doctor's appointment so that he could get his visa to come to the U.S. And trying to explain to a four-year-old why they're giving you X amount of shots because you're going to get your visa, and it's great. You know, it's it's hard to explain those kinds of things and then try to comfort a four-year-old who thinks, who are these people, and why are they yeah. doing this to me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Jason, has been a good experience, yeah, I mean, obviously? A great experience. I mean, one thing that stands out, I mean, so Aaron referred to this children's village. It's basically a, a big orphanage, and I think on the spectrum of how orphanages go, it was pretty great, um, but they kind of ran in a herd and there were some people there taking care of lots and lots of kids um, and I mean one of the big differences is that none of those caretakers really were men hmm. and so he's been learning how to have a dad hmm. wow. and um, it's weird right when when I've seen other kids grow up from birth and they um, you know, acknowledge you kind of as this sort of important person in their life and in their family, and they kind of know they belong to this new person that kind of doesn't have that connection. And I'm different than Aaron, and so it's very, she was, he was very connected with her emotionally and physically, um, and not so much with me. Mm. And uh, that wasn't just hard for, I mean, me, right? It was hard for him, and he right. had to sort of figure that out. and. And we've made amazing strides, and so we're, I think, in a really, really good and healthy, healthy spot. But um, that's been a huge adjustment. Yeah. Well, the beauty is that uh, it's a lifetime commitment. Mm -hmm. You don't suddenly say, "Ben, you know, we're a little tired of you. I, you know, we're, it's over. Sorry." Yeah. Uh, a lifetime commitment of helping Ben grow up to be a godly young man who follows Jesus Christ. So I commend you for giving Ben that opportunity. You chose him from that orphanage, and you have blessed him with the greatest gift he could ever have, the blessing of being part of your family and to grow up to know you, your parents, and to know the Father in heaven as well. So thank you for being a model to us of that adoption that God gives to us. We bless you for that. Thank you. Okay. Let's give him a hand. Thank you for them. I invited them to share a little bit about their story. Much more could be said, but think about the spiritual journey. When any of us are adopted into God's family, we don't understand why he's doing, like little Ben, getting a bunch of shots to get his visa. Why am I having to go through all this pain? What's this all about? No, it's for your good. Why, when God adopts us into his spiritual family, do we have to go through pain? Why do we have to go through things that hurt? Why do we have to go through things that feel sort of mean-spirited and sort of uncalled for? Because the Father in heaven would say, but if you just trust me on the journey, you are now my child. And part of that journey is growth and change. You're going to learn to have a new father. You're going to learn to have new relationships. You're going to learn to have new rules, the scriptures. You're going to learn how to live in a family that is different than the family of this world. But our spiritual adoption is to say good things about the Father who, although we don't understand every step of that journey, we still trust Him as one who loves us, chose us, predestined us, 
so that we can give thanks to Jesus Christ. Give thanks to Jesus Christ. Think of that image as you live out your life. And sometimes you don't want to say good things about the Father because it's painful. But it's part of the adoptive process of growth. And just as they would never let Ben go, the Father in heaven will never let us go when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, to conclude this time together, one of the things that we try to do is to engage with others around us. You've got the name tags on, and if you don't have your name tag on, tell them your name. And so we invite you to get together with two or three other people, four people around you. And I've got a question at the bottom of the outline there, and I invite you just to engage for just three minutes. What is the most blessed gift your Heavenly Father has given you? And how can that be lived out for other people to see? How has the Father blessed you? How is that lived out in your life to other people? Just think about what are those blessings He has given to you that we can say good things about God. I'm going to put the big magic clock on the wall here and talk to people who are sitting next to you. Get to know them because life is better together. Okay, in 10 seconds, we'll wrap it up. Thank you for your participation. You can continue the conversation after the last song. You don't need to listen to me at all. I don't believe in Jesus anymore. Just kidding. We like to spend a little moment of worship and just say good things about Christ and Jesus Christ. Isn't it better when you worship together with people that you know? There's something very rich about that. So we encourage you to get to know the people who are in your family. Those of us who believe in Jesus, we have been adopted into a family. And life is so much better together when the family of God knows who their brothers and the sisters are. And we say good things about the Father who has been so good to us. Let's worship as we close our service.